This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping can take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam, and I'm joined, as always, by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good day, everyone. How are we? Well, I can't speak for everyone, but I'm good, thanks. Big show coming up today, Thomas. We're talking the minimum wage rise, the minimum wage increase in Australia, the UK Free Trade Agreement, and what happened to Coca-Cola's share price this week. It took a bit of a hit, as well as some listener questions that are going to be coming up a bit later on. But first, Thomas... You know me, I loves me a bit of data, mm. and the jobs data came in this week, the employment slash unemployment data. What did we learn? Uh, it was booming. It was a great result. We saw the unemployment rate drop from 5.5% to 5.1%, and that's quite a big movement in a month. That's You don't normally see uh, anything that, that strong, so that was, that was a thumping result. Sometimes you get a big move in the unemployment rate if people drop out of the labor market, so they, they get discouraged and they stop looking for work. And if you stop looking for work, you're no longer classified as unemployed. You have to actually be actively looking for work. Right. Uh, but that wasn't the case this month. So the participation rate held and we had good jobs growth. Not only did we have good jobs growth, but it wasn't in part-time employment, it was in full-time employment. Yeah, so unemployment rate down, participation rate steady, full-time employment up, all big three ticks, big three green lights, so a super strong result from the labour market. So if you're unemployed but you're not looking, mm. what, are, what are you classed as? A bum? Yeah, that's a, that's a statistical <laughs> definition. Hawkey lives on. Yeah, the ABS just quietly shaming you. <laughs> uh, no, you're, you're, you're just not part of the labour force. So you're, you're outside the labour force. What if you're claiming Centrelink still or any benefits? Yeah, it's, it's disconnected from the Centrelink data. That's a different kettle of fish. It's pretty closely tied together. But the, the job data comes from a survey. It's one of the surveys. I don't know if you've ever been asked, are you working? You know me, I'm yet to be surveyed. I'm looking forward to it when it happens. Sure, we've got some listeners at the ABS. Send, that, send Adam a survey. Could you? I'd really like to. Yeah, I, envis- I envisage it would happen as I'm walking somewhere. Someone would approach me, like almost like semi sort of celebrity style. <laughs> Excuse me, Adam. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yes. <laughs> do, you, do you recognize me from Comedian versus Economist? It's like, no, no, we just, just need you to do a survey about what you've bought in the last six months. We're off topic already. Yeah, but no, so good, good result. So that led some economists to talk about the RBA maybe bringing forward. Uh, some rate their rate hikes so maybe ending quantitative easing a bit earlier than we were thinking maybe increasing interest rates a bit earlier than we're thinking right like how early because we were looking 2024 
for rate increases. Yeah, 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 yeah. The other thing about the labor force data, it's monthly data, so it does chop around a bit. So you don't hang your hat just on one month's worth of data. It's 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 interesting. It's sort of directional, but it's a monthly survey. It, it does. It's pretty choppy. Mm. So you know, you, and you do get some odd results every now and again. There'd be a lot of employees of the month around Thomas that would beg to differ with hanging your hat on one month's <laughs> worth of data. Yeah, it was it was such a strong and positive result that yeah, people had a bit of a pause for thought. But we also saw this week some interesting data out of CBA well, that they or well, they crunched the numbers on, on some a, some ABS data. But we had uh, data on non-resident workers. So they, these are sort of people, foreigners living in Australia and working, and they're down three hundred and forty thousand, something like that. I got a pretty dramatic chart. I'll share it to the the Instagram page. Are we are we still trending? Is that still oh, going mate. on? Hmm. We are, it's global now. We are, we are, our reach is just, it's reaching parts of the world you, you don't even know exist. <laughs> yeah, so non-resident, number of non-resident workers in the country has gone from just under 600,000 to just over 200,000 now. So a big, a big drop. Right, um, and that's COVID though, right? Yeah, yeah, Surely. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. so they closed borders, people went home, nobody came back in. Uh, yeah, so net net immigration's down. Uh, we've yeah, so we're now seventy four thousand lower than we were pre COVID. Right. Yeah. So we've seen COVID take seventy four thousand people out of the Australian population. What we're saying is that those people had jobs and they've now left the country, and it's likely that they've been filled by locals. Those jobs have been filled by locals. So it's potentially not a story of a really, you know, super doing great economy, creating lots of new jobs, creating new right. jobs for people who are unemployed. It's that people have left and they've opened up all these job openings and people who were unemployed previously and now have now gone in and filled those jobs. And that's that's a different story. Like it's still good in the sense that it's 5.1%. That's a still a strong number. It's still good in the sense mm. it probably translates into wages pressure. But it doesn't reflect so well on the economy. It's not the same. The economy is heating up so much. And, yeah, it's a bit of a different story. Chris Joy at the AFR from Coolabar Capital, he crunched the numbers on that and said, if, like, if you kept those 334,000 people in the, in the country, mm. the unemployment rate wouldn't be 5.1%. It would be 7.5% potentially as, right. as, a, as an upper bound. So, so we're not creating new jobs. We're not growing jobs. We're just some people left. Like if you worked for mm. a business and, you know, someone quit and then you hired someone, you haven't really changed anything in the market. If Just if your previous employee left and went overseas for on a holiday, then you haven't improved the situation of the economy. That's right. The economy is not growing. Yeah, you're just, mm. you're just moving jobs around between people. Right. Yeah. And at 7.5%, like if that was true, like there's a few assumptions there, but it's, a, it's sort of an upper bound. But at 7.5%, that's not, that's not a, that's not such a strong economy. Like at 5.1%, that's like economy's going great. It's, it's awesome. That's as good as it's been in years. We're very quickly, you know, moving towards that four, four point something. Remember, so Phil Lowe was talking about needing to see an unemployment in the fours before he's going to uh, even think about raising interest rates. So it's getting very close to that. But the reality is that is is probably the labor market is is softer than that, or the jobs yeah, jobs right. creation is softer than that. I was I was disappointed to see after singing Adelaide's praises last week as the most third most livable city in the world, came in with the highest rate of unemployment for the month. Right, top the charts. So only livable if you've got a job, I guess. <laughs> Maybe that's why it's livable. Everyone's just chilling. 
Just chill. <laughs> on the tram. We had a few people on Instagram correct us that Sydney actually does have a tram. Has um, one of the most expensive trams, if I'm not mistaken. It was a big cost blowout with putting the tram in. Mm. Um, yeah, that's right. I did some research. I, I read a headline um, <laughs> after Googling Sydney trams. <laughs> And the, the headlines that came back for um, I'm Feeling Lucky was um, cost blowouts of in the order of millions. I hope it's a nice tram. Mm. Cool. So just on the unemployment, though, so that's pushing wages up and vacancies are up. If unemployment comes down, we're seeing a sort of rise in, in job vacancies as well. Yeah, job vacancies are up, particularly in those. I mean, we know it, it sort of squares away because we know that there's a lot of job vacancies in the hospitality and tourism sector right now. Right. Uh, and they're traditionally roles that are often filled by uh, foreigners. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that's created a lot of job vacancies. And that should, an unemployment rate of 5.1%, regardless of where it comes from, should, you know, start, starts to push towards um, some wages pressure. So that's what I'm getting at. Like, should I be asking for a pay rise now or not? Like, is there is a good time? Yeah, I'd go for it. Yeah? Go for it, Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's all right. My boss doesn't listen to this show anyway. Yeah, let me, let me know how it works out. I'll be tabling that at the next catch-up. All right, cool. So um, so that's unemployment, but also this week we're talking about a minimum wage rise. And so the Fair Work Commission increased the minimum wage by 2.5%, mm-hmm. uh, which takes it to $20.33 an hour or $772.60 a week for full-time workers. The unions wanted 3.5%, classic unions, and the Chamber of Commerce wanted 1.1%, classic, classic Chamber, Chamber of Chamber. Commerce. <laughs> <laughs> so we got 2.5%. What do you make of that? Yeah, it's a, it's a funny process. This is, this is how the Fair Work Commission determines what the what the minimum wage is going to be. This is, yeah, everyone makes submissions about where they think it should be. and Workers wanted 5%, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Barry wanted 12. Yeah, Barry. Yeah. <laughs> He's been doing a stand-up job, Barry. He's- For whatever reason, that's where the Fair Work Commission came out. It's a, it's a reasonably uh, robust number. Like, it's, mm. you know, it's, it's, not, it's not big, but it's definitely outpacing inflation. So, it's a real real wage gain. Talk to Dad about this, actually. Dad, oh, good. Um, yeah. <laughs> How is Dad? He hasn't had computer trouble for a while, so I haven't heard from him. <laughs> what did Dad have to say on the minimum wage situation? Well, yeah, so, he, so he's a HR uh, expert so mm. talk to him about that the point he made which i thought was interesting is that, that often this is reported in the in the papers as it's increasing the wage for the the lowest paid workers in the economy yeah. um, and that's what's true when you increase the minimum wage but it's really there's the award structure that goes all the way through the the tiers of of employment in the awards so the minimum wage is like the lowest tier of 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 award rate pay yeah. And so that gets a bump. But every tier, because it's all sort of a relativity thing, every tier gets a bump as well. Oh, no. Yeah. So, so everyone, everyone on awards, regardless, of, yeah. even if you're not on the minimum, but everyone on an award gets a pay rate. And then in, in the hospitality sector, that can get up to like 90 grand, 100 grand or something. Yeah, yeah. So everyone gets a pay, a pay rise. And then even within an enterprise, like in, within a company, if you've got some people on awards and some people who aren't, the people on award, who aren't on awards look at the people on awards, see them getting a pay rise, and they're a bit like, oh, mm. like, I feel like I deserve one. If they're, if they're getting one, I want one. So it's not just that we're increasing the wage for the lowest paid. We are doing that, but we're also you know, increasing wages across the spectrum. Pushing everything out. Well, that's, I mean, I said, oh, no, and I only say that because 
Mm. If everyone's wages go up, that just pushes the price of stuff up and we end up back where we started, don't we? I mean, yeah. I mean, you remember that Phil Lowe says that we need wages between 3 to 4% to get inflation between 2 to 3%. Yeah. That, that's, that's how he, he thinks that, that works out. It's not, it's, so it's not one for one because there's other costs that go into producing stuff. There's right. the materials and capital and land costs and whatever. So it's not just wages. Wages are a component of it. Mm. So he's, he reckons you need to see wages growing 3 to 4% to get inflation of 2 to 3%. Yeah, okay. So 2.5% in that context is not a, a wage rate increase that's sort of... It's not going to trigger inflation. Not, not, not in and of itself. You wouldn't think. And if, if Phil Lowe's right, mm. and he probably is, who am I to argue with him? Thomas the Economist. Thomas, you should stand up for yourself. Yeah. Who's Phil Lowe? That's what I say. <laughs> All right. Well, I did notice, though, that Woolies have already passed it on. So they're not waiting because it's not, it's not actually ratified yet or whatever. It needs mm. to go through all the steps. But all these have come out and they've said we're, we're passing it on. I think they're challenging Coles to do the same thing. I mean, yeah, like the, in, that, in that sort of it's part of this immigration effect as well, like without those foreign workers, who many of whom work at, at sort of the low-wage low rates, it's, mm. it's a competitive jobs market at the moment for in the hospitality sector. Like, like where I live in Byron Bay, there are, there are restaurants – closing you know who normally trade seven days have roaring trade have now gone to three days because they don't have chefs yeah right and they just can't get a hold of a chef yeah cool oh well, that's good news then i guess for people who aren't you know the low-income earners worth noting too i did a bit of research the average ceo pay by the way for the asx 100 companies 5.2 million dollars <laughs> <laughs> well, they get they'll get an extra 22 dollars <laughs> yeah. a week yeah putting wages up Speaking of company news, so we've just signed a free trade agreement with the UK, or well, we're about to. So ScoMo, Scotty from Marketing, was over there mm. the other the other day. Um, it was a bit rough, I reckon. He was standing in front of a pub, and <laughs> people were like, "This is poor taste. It's insensitive. He's tone deaf." He was just having a photo, like in front of it. Like I don't think it was. It wasn't like he, it wasn't as bad. I didn't think as the. Um, here's ScoMo in his board shorts in Hawaii when the bushfires were raging on. <laughs> but he copped a bit of flack for, for having a photo standing in front of a pub with, with some people. Um, but he was over there talking the UK free trade agreement. What does that mean for us, Thomas? It's a funny one. It's so, so basically, historically, all nations have had sort of trade protection measures. So you have things like tariffs on imported goods in order to protect your domestic industries. Right. And they've been around for centuries. And the sort of the free trade movement, which sort of comes out of the Second World War, was really about sort of saying, look, we're all better off if we don't have these tariffs. We trade more, we specialize more. So let's Mm. try and create a freer trade environment. And that's sort of done sort of collectively through the World Trade Organization, but it's also done sort of through these free trade agreements between pairs of nations or between blocks and things like that. So that's sort of the context for this. One of the things is it's a little bit hard to know. They're not big on sharing the details. Mm. And so there seems like there's some concessions for some Australian agricultural products like lamb and wine. They're removing some protections on UK lamb and wine producers, for example. Right. But there's not a long list of details about what it's going to do. The, the thing I thought was funny is that Labor jumped on a um, – the, the, so the UK government afterwards 
put out a fact sheet paper saying t- t- 10 key benefits of the trade deal, which, one of which was highly skilled professionals will now be able to work in Australia temporarily and Aussie firms will no longer have to prioritise hiring Australian nationals first. <laughs> Oh, good news, everyone. <laughs> good news. So the UK's put that out and the, and the Labor movement's gone, hey, hang on, what? Is that right? Well, up a second. And then, the, and then they're like, is this a thing? And the government's like, well, we're not really saying and no. there's no way to check it. So it's all kind of like... So even the UK doesn't want those people that left Australia and freed up all those jobs here. They've gone, you know what, we need to make it easier for these people to get back to Australia to take those jobs back that they left open. Yeah. I mean, so I think, I think it's a bit of a case like... Like the the context is interesting. So we're both the UK and Australia in the middle of transitioning our major trading relationships. So the UK is in the middle of Brexit, been dragging on for years. So they're Mm. sort of breaking up with the EU. We're in the middle of breaking up with China. That trading relationship shifting dramatically. So both nations had a strong interest, and both you know, the political class had a strong interest in selling a win, saying like, "Yeah, we're breaking up with Europe, but we, you know, got this free trade agreement with Australia. Australia wants to right. you know, sell the benefits." And so they kind of come up with this thing. It's sort of like it's not. I don't know. It's not clear. It only to works me. if you've both got stuff that the other one wants, though, doesn't it? I mean, you know, we we deal with China primarily because. They really like our steel mm. and our iron ore, and and we've got tons of it. Like we can't just turn around and go, "Hey, hey, Boris, you want some iron ore?" He's like, "Well, not really." <laughs> do, do you want some? Do you want it's- some Bentleys? <laughs> no, we're all good. Have you ever Bentleys? Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. So yeah, so it feels like there's a lot of spin in the mix with this one. A lot of like, ah. Oh, you know, deal of the century. Mm. We're like generational opportunity, creating, opening up markets. But I don't know. It looks, I haven't seen a whole lot of substance come out of it. So, mm. yeah, feels like feels like in the in the context, it feels like it's a bit of a political fix. No, we'll see. Um, mm. So finally, before we get to a break, I didn't want to touch on this quickly. So we saw the share price of Coca Cola. Uh, tank 1.2%, which wiped about $5 billion off the share price. Coca-Cola's been going down anyway, it's fair to say, but the big story was that Portuguese soccer star Cristiano Ronaldo, at a press conference following the Euros, he sat down at the press conference. There was a couple of bottles of Coca-Cola on the desk, you know, as a major sponsor. He's seen the Cokes, he's taken them down and he's put them under the desk and then he's held up his his water bottle and shouted aqua which is you know water um proclaiming water to be to be better than coke and at which point coca-cola's share price tanked 1.2 percent of five billion dollars what did you make of that have you seen the footage i mean for me it feels like it's one of these like sentiment it looks for these sort of catalytic events so it's not a linear sort of thing and so i feel like they're in the zeitgeist right now there's this move away from sugar Mm. we're realizing that it's a bit of a con that we've been sold that fat was the enemy of health, that it's actually sugar. It's sort of a movement down to sort of desugarize food. Fizzy soft drinks are, are on the nose. Sort of globally, we realize that they're not good for health. And so I think you look down the road 20-odd years, you, you do wonder what future Coca-Cola has as like as a company that owns a lot of fizzy drink mm. brands. They own, they own a lot of other things too, including bottles of water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd love I don't know if anyone's done the, the, zoom, the zoomed in on the bottle of water, but I'd love it if that turned out to be owned by Coca-Cola. Well, Coca-Cola would know their marketing too. I mean, 
you can't you can't dif- product differentiate water. That's the problem with water. Like Coke, as Coca Cola, the the product is di- like it's not it's unique. You know, oh, the the makers of bottled water would have you believe otherwise, <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> have, you not, have you not seen the range of water you can get at Coles or wherever yeah. you do your shopping at the um, service station? You can buy about eighteen different kinds of water. I remember when it first started and people were like, this is more expensive. Like you'd, you'd fill up your car with petrol <laughs> and you'd walk in and petrol would be like, a, you know, 80 cents a litre. You'd walk into the server and there's a 500 mil bottle of water for $2.50. <laughs> like, this is more expensive than petrol. Yeah. I think fizzy drinks, you know, a bit earmarked for the scrap heap, I think, in a way. Like it's not, not, not a near-term thing, but I think the trend is definitely moving that way. And, but it's not, so that, but that sentiment's not linear. And I th- so I think you get, and I think it, I think it's an interesting case study because you see stuff like this happen where Ronaldo makes this thing, which is a seem like kind of a small gesture in the scheme of things, but it just has this sort of catalytic effect where it's like it catalyzes that sort of sentiment and everyone who is sort of umming and ahhing about the direction of fizzy drinks as a product class is a bit like, yeah, actually, no, nah, they're, they're rubbish and it's time, time to get out. Well, um, there was another guy, Paul Pogba, who plays for France. Um, he did something similar after his match. He took a couple of Heineken beers off the table and people were kind of speculating that he did that because because it was for religious reasons. He's said in the past that he's against alcohol. He's a practicing Muslim. So people were just kind of speculated that he removed these bottles of Heineken because of that reason. But... Turns out they were Heineken Zero, so they were non-alcoholic beers. So he's, he'd be kind of their their target demographic for for the beers, I'd imagine. Like it's the beer for people who don't like alcohol. But yeah, so there you go. He it seems like Ronaldo started a bit of a trend, and then FIFA came out and said, "Look, you guys, you can't be taking off our <laughs> our major sponsors' stuff." <laughs> yeah, it's funny that because the the non-alcoholic beer market's going massive at the moment. It's like oh, it's, yeah, I read something that's growing market. growing faster than um than the craft craft beer mm, segment. Mm. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, off a very low base, but yeah, yeah, sure. yeah it's 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 the growth market in. In beer, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're a, you're a big zero drinker, aren't you? Yeah, I do drink quite a bit of non-alcoholic beer these days. I'm trying to, I mean, before you get onto the wine, twenty-five year old me would be just ashamed. <laughs> 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 but yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's weird though because everyone talks about this booming non-alcoholic beer market, but it's it's still kind of hard to find. I mean, I like it in cans because I like I like the storage uh, efficiency of cans. Once I've finished with them, I can crush them up. But there's there's huge potential there. I don't know how you get into the whether there's like an an investment opportunity in non alcoholic beer or if just the big beer companies like Asahi that owns Carlton and United Breweries and that they're just gonna storm the market anyway. Like if there's a market there to be taken, then yeah, do you know what I mean? Like there's not gonna be some little non alcoholic brewer that's like. You know, you can get first mover advantage or something because they'll just get smashed by Heineken and whoever. It, it probably the play would probably be in the in the manufacturing. Like if there was like a, I don't, I don't even know how they remove the alcohol from beer, but like if there was a some kind of machinery and there was like a machinery producer that had the IP mm. exclusive IP for that process. Oh, yeah, That's that that would that would be the play. But I don't imagine that there's that there's something like that. Right, right in. If you if you know how they get the alcohol out of beer, drop. Well, us apparently a line. it's really hard, and that's why this is the justification because it's still like forty, fifty bucks a carton, 
um, the justification, because everyone's saying, well, there's no tax. Like the alcohol tax doesn't apply uh, to non-alcoholic uh-huh. beer, which is why beer is always so been seen as kind of expensive. Yeah, yeah. But they're saying the process with which the, the beer has to go through to have the alcohol removed is expensive and therefore the price is still high. Right, right. So You know what we haven't seen is like Swiss filtered. Hmm? You know, like with coffee, with decaffeinated coffee. Oh, yeah. There's different, there's different processes. So there's like a chemical filtering process, which is like the cheap and nasty <laughs> version. And then there's like Swiss water filtered. I'm laughing because of this conversation I had this morning where I learned that apparently there are some monkeys in Bali somewhere that they feed coffee beans to. No, cats. Is it cats? Some for cats. Well, I think it's yeah, monkeys yeah. as well. Monkeys and cats. And then uh-huh. they, they excrete the coffee bean unchewed and apparently that in, it enhances the flavour. Yeah. It's just incredible. Um, horrific. I, I, so, I don't know. Will we see non-alcoholic beer filtered through a, an Indonesian monkey? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's very early days in the non-alcoholic beer journey. Um, I did find out, though, that just because it's non-alcoholic, you're not allowed to give it to children. Oh, no. Really? I give it to my kids all the time. What? <laughs> Well, it's not alcoholic. No, you're not allowed to. Well, it's a, it's an adult brewed beverage. It's not. It's still like restricted. Uh, yeah. No, they sell it in Woolies and Coles, and you can buy it the there, aisle. but it's not intended for children. I, the only reason I know this is because the postie who delivers my parcels, I, I got to know him quite well. He apologised to me that he's like, ah, oh, sorry, man, I couldn't leave because I usually used to get everything left on my doorstep. Um, he's like, I couldn't leave it. We're not allowed to. Presumably because they can't leave alcohol. They can't leave like beer products uh, on doorsteps in case kids like steal them and run off. But you-, <laughs> you get your zero alcohol beers delivered. Yeah. You get everything delivered. Really? Wow. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? 21st century, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. It's online. I not thought of that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Imagine that, though. If you're a 15-year-old kid, you're like, just cruising around the neighbourhood, you see some carton of beer on someone's porch, oh, yeah. you're like, knock it off, you have a mate, go to the park, smash down 12 cans of <laughs> on alcoholic beer. Oh, man, I just feel bloated. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a short break here, go grab a word from our sponsors this week, and we'll be right back with some listener questions right after this. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist, and we've got a few listener questions coming in this week, which we love. You can always send us an email if you like, cve at equitymates.com, or head over to the website, equitymates.com forward slash cve. And Rajbeer sent us an email. He said, hello, guys. Love the show. I have two questions for Thomas. Oh, boo, Rajbeer. Um <laughs> I like to have a crack at these first, so bad luck, Rajbi. I know these are for Thomas, but and I hope I've got the pronunciation of your name right. I apologize if I, if I haven't. I like to have a crack first. So, number one, Jeff Bezos talks in one of his interviews about seeing a chart in a newspaper that internet usage was up by something like 1,400%, decided to open an online bookstore, and the rest is history. Where can I find these upward or downward trend charts other than ABS, Statista, or Callum Pickering? Well, Rajbi, you know where you can find them, CVE Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. Thomas has been pumping out some sweet-ass charts uh, over the last week. So um, any other sources, Thomas? That's where I get my charts. Where do you get your charts that get, give me my charts? Oh, the, thing, the thing is that charts in and of themselves aren't so useful unless you know the context. So you need someone to, to be able to give, give, you, give you some context, which is what? CVE why. podcast. That's where they tune into the show for the context for the charts. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I don't know, just read widely. Mm. The, the trends will come up. But the, the, I'm not sure that Jeff Bezos just saw a chart about internet usage. I don't think that's kind of the thing that just went, oh, wow, I might do something based on that chart. He, he, we would have had some other analysis behind him, surely. I don't know. I mean, the thing is there's so many trends out there and so many people trying to predict the future mm. directions. It's a, it's a challenge to sort of, you know, like there would have been other chart, charts at the time saying that internet was, a, you know, going to be a flash in the pan and going nowhere. But, so it's hard to know what to listen to. All right. Other than CV podcast, Instagram. <laughs> Rajbir's second question. Uber has different fares in different cities according to how expensive they are. Why have we the same minimum wage in every state, whereas cost of living is different in each state, especially housing? So, so we don't have the minimum wage as a national thing, Thomas? Yeah, it's a national thing. That's sort of the, the award structure is a national thing. It doesn't differentiate by state. Yeah, inflation is part of the equation. The Fair Work Commission looks at when determining uh, minimum wage increases but yeah but they've got no capacity to one the awards at the industry level across the country so there's yeah, no capacity to do a state by state right. thing a good question sure. uh adam john has written in and coincidentally my first two names as well adam john so thanks for that i have a question on inflation i understand it's measured as a 12 month rolling average and the june 2020 quarter was a massive negative minus 1.9 percent so when june 2021 figures are out the negative will drop off the rolling average. This is going to cause a huge jump in inflation figures, even if this quarter is flat. Is this correct? Am I missing something? He said then interest rates will start rising and we can afford houses again. I wouldn't count on affording a house anytime soon, Adam. That's uh, Yeah, that seems like that's going to keep going up for a while. Um, but I, what he's saying makes sense. So we had a, a really negative quarter during COVID and then three really good quarters but then you take those three good quarters and you add another good quarter, all of a sudden you've got a pretty good-looking four-month rolling average. Is that fair? Yeah, bang on, bang on. I got, yeah, no, that's it. That's how it works. When we had some, you know, high inflation numbers out of the US recently, but yeah, but it's, it's hard to know whether it's something sustained or whether it's these base effects kicking mm. through. There's, there's people, people are, you know, cranking it. You do things like annualise the past quarter or the past six months or something to get a sense of what the, what the current trend right. is. Yeah, so there, there is a way to look through it. But what he's saying is right about how, how it's calculated. 
All right, cool. There you go. Uh, and Lockie wrote in. Lockie had quite a long question. Um, really liked the short ones because uh, I can understand them. This one, is, he said he's keen to get uh, Thomas, in brackets, Mr. MMT's thoughts on it. So you got mm. called Chart Guru mm. last week, I reckon. This week you are Mr. MMT. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it's got to do with, with inflation, but there you go. I'm going to try and paraphrase this for you, Lockie. But uh, he's basically saying that cost of living is rising on day-to-day groceries, uh, day-to-day goods, sorry, i.e. groceries, but CPI isn't rising. Uh, he's called out the purchase of one-off purchases like bigger items, I guess, like cars, which is then balancing out the CPI. So... Can that be true, Thomas, that, that CPI isn't rising but day-to-day goods are rising? Yeah, yeah, that can definitely be true. Yeah, we, you can look at the different ways of cutting up the basket of goods is measured in the mm. CPI. Like often it's looked at in terms of like essentials versus discretionary spending. But there's the different ways you can sort of cut it up. And yeah, and they can be moving in different ways at different times. It's actually quite rare that you get all the components of the CPI moving in the same direction and in the, at the same mm. time. You can't, yeah, you get this sort of chop and changing kind of going on. And yeah, inflation manifests differently in different sectors of the economy at different times. Right. They don't call you Mr. MMT for nothing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and just finally, Nathan wrote in and Nathan was just kind of sharing some information. So uh, he was listening to the episode we did a while back on NFTs and hearing our concerns around what would happen to our licensing arrangements for our podcast if we were to sell one as an NFT. I won't go into everything, but there is a whole kind of, I don't know, mess of legal stuff at play when it comes to selling an NFT. I think it's possible. But the best thing I can do, I think, for you is that Nathan sent in a really good article written by an Australian lawyer. So what I'll do is I'll share that uh, onto our socials Uh, Instagram and Facebook. So uh, if you are interested in learning more about the legal ramifications of buying, selling, trading NFTs, then take a look at that article. You'll find it on CVE Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. But that does us for this week, Thomas. Thank you for your company as always. Mm, Thank you. Uh, We'd really love it if you guys out there could go and leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. That really helps us out. Uh, Send us an email, cve at equitymates.com or website equitymates.com forward slash CVE. Really appreciate you joining us again this week, and we will talk to you next week. See you then. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs. Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.